Welcome to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor David Eldridge. Galatians 3 and 4 are pretty thick uh, theologically. Paul is explaining in his, his gospel, and we talked about this last week, just he briefly introduced last week that we're justified through faith. In Jesus, but he's also he's really challenging the Galatians. They're they're moving away from what Paul taught them, and so even in the midst of this pretty heavy theological section, there's a lot of emotion behind it as well as he's trying to really wake the Galatians up to the danger that they're in, drifting away. They're not drifting, making a decision to move away from the truth that Paul has taught them. So we'll look at a, a little bit in chapter three today, the first fourteen verses. You foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you before your very eyes? Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you a Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, as it's written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it's written, Cursed is everyone who's hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So that's a little bit convoluted, maybe hard to follow. So let me give you uh, a visual that I'm going to use as kind of a template as we walk through this passage. So we're trying to reach this place called justification. We talked about this last week. Justification is a legal word. It means to be declared righteous, to be declared in the right, to be declared in right standing. That's the one I like the most because it has a little bit of a relational component. Salvation is ultimately a, uh, a relational reality. We, that's, that's where we want to be. We want to be declared in the right or in right relationship with God. So there's two, two potential paths. One is through faith in Jesus. Remember last week we said faith is not intellectual assent. Faith is trust. It's commitment. It's, it's allegiance. It's a relational word. The other path is through obedience to the law. And that, that's really, that's the old covenant. That's the law that God gave to Moses. It's the Ten Commandments and according to the guys that count the 603 other stipulations that expound on those Ten Commandments that say, here's what it looks like if you want to be in relationship with me. God gave that covenant to Moses and Moses on behalf with the people. They ratify that covenant and say, yes, we're going to do those things. This is what it looks like to be in right relationship with you and we're committed to those, to those rules and those regulations, those terms of Relationship. Those are the two paths. Paul's gospel is through faith in Jesus. This group of Jewish Christian troublemakers, their path is through faith in Jesus plus through obedience to the law. And that's what Paul's really hammering is 
that this is not this isn't the right road. Now I'm I'm going to use obedience, and it's going to sound negative. Uh, and remember, we talked about this last week. We we're dead to the law, but we live for God. One of the primary con- criticisms of Paul's gospel is that it leads to sinfulness. You can do whatever you want. As long as you're trusting Jesus, you can live a wild, reckless, sinful life. And Paul says, no, we're dead to the law, but so that we might live for God. Yes, we've, we've been crucified with Christ, but it's no longer us who live. It's him who lives within us. And the life that we're living, we're living by faith in him. If we're living, trusting Jesus, the righteous, sinless, holy one, then that's not, he's not going to lead us into sinful living. So it's, it's not that obedience is not important. It's just that obedience is not the foundation for our relationship with God. It's the result of a right relationship with God. Not the ba- basis, not the foundation, but it's something that flows out of that right relationship. So if you hear me kind of downplaying obedience this morning, it's only in terms of the basis of our right standing. Our right standing is based on grace, and we access that through faith. It's not based on our Behavior. So the first thing Paul says to these Galatians is y'all should know better because of your own experience. I was the first guy to tell you the gospel and the one that I preached was Jesus crucified. I told you about what Jesus did on the cross and how that, that the benefits that are available to you through his death and resurrection. And you believe me. You believed me. And through that faith, you were justified. And you know you were justified because you received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit confirmed to you that you had indeed been made right with God. According to Romans 8, it's the Holy Spirit who testifies with our spirit that we are indeed sons and daughters of God. And Paul is saying that's your lived experience. This is your testimony. The two words that he uses, why are you being so foolish? Foolish, Foolishness in the Bible is not an intellectual deficit It's a spiritual deficiency. It's not a lack of intelligence. It's a lack of judgment. To be a fool is to know the truth, but to not live the truth. And that's what Paul's saying. Y'all are being foolish. You know what's true. I taught you what was true. You believed what was true. And now you're walking away with that. Who's bewitched you? Who's who's put you under a spell? And the, the language, the grammar around that is singular. He's not thinking about these particular Jewish Christian teachers He's thinking about the devil who masquerades as an angel of light, who's a deceiver, who's the father of lies. He is leading you guys astray. You were walking on the right path, and now foolishly, knowing the truth, you're walking away from that truth, and you're beginning to walk down this other path. And this path that says I'm justified through obedience to the law, that, that's actually, yes, it's, it's, they're, they're, it's Moses, it's the old covenant, Paul, brilliantly leapfrogs Moses. He goes all the way back to Abraham. He says, I want to ground your experience in the Bible, which is always the best thing to do. I want to take your experience and help you understand it in light of the truth of Scripture. And he says, Abraham's 500, 600 years before Moses, and he was in a right relationship with God. How can that be the case? If it's through the law that we're justified, then how could Abraham be justified before the law was even given? Genesis 15, 6, he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. He believed, he trusted, he had faith, and that was credited to him as righteousness. He was declared righteous. He was justified. He was made acceptable to God based on his faith in God. If you go back and read Genesis 15, uh, the, the context around all that is Abraham and Sarah having a baby, even though they're too old to do so. They haven't had any children yet. And God is saying, I'm, I'm going to give you an heir. And Abraham believes God. 
And that belief, that trust, that faith, that commitment is, is credited to him or God says to him, you're, you're righteous, you're in right standing with me based on that. And Paul is saying, see, like that's, that's before Moses. If you want, y- y'all, a- a- as you a- engage with God through faith, you're actually one of Abraham's children. That would be news for a Gentile who thought that all of Abraham's children were Jews, that a- Abraham's inheritance was all ethnic. And Paul's saying, no, there's a spiritual reality here. Anyone who's relating to God based on faith, you're, you're actually a descendant, you're a child of Abraham. That's how he related to God, and everyone else who relates to him is one of his children. And he goes further and says the gospel is actually embedded in his original this original calling to Abraham. Back in Genesis 12, Abraham, you're going to be a great nation. That's the Jewish nation. But through you, all the nations, that's everybody else, that's the Gentiles, that's the Galatians that Paul is writing to, you'll be blessed. And in the context of chapter 3, to be blessed is to be justified by faith, to be accepted by God. Shorthand for that. And, and Paul is saying that that gospel predates the old covenant. It predates the law given to Moses. Before... The, Again, hundreds of years before that was given, God established, here is how you're going to relate to me. And Abraham is the father of that. It's relating to him through faith. Abraham was justified by his faith. And the gospel given to Abraham is that all nations will be blessed through him. That is, through walking in the same way that he walks. And then Paul goes even farther and says, this, this other road, if you want to be justified through obedience to the law, that's actually a, it's a dead end. It can't get you to where you want to go. Why not? Because what the law says about itself is cursed. That is rejected by God is everyone, all inclusive, everyone who does not continually do everything written in the book of the law. Who wants to say that's me? Everyone who does not continually do everything. The bar is perfect obedience. Nobody's living up to that. Paul says if if this is the road that you want to walk, it can only lead not to you being blessed, but to you being cursed, not to you being accepted, but but, but to you being rejected by God because you can't keep the law perfectly day in and day out for the rest of your life. Nobody can do that. You know you can't do that. If that's the road that you're on, it's not going to get you where you want to go. And then further, the the principle that this path is based on, it's the wrong principle. The righteous, the justified ones, the ones who've been made acceptable by the Lord, they will live by faith. They will live by trusting in Him. The law is not based on faith. The law is based on effort. It's based on the wrong foundation. Those who follow the law, they will, those who do these things, who obey the law, they're gonna, they live according to that principle of effort. That's not this path of faith that's based on the principle of trust. It's not just this path ultimately is going to lead to being rejected because we, we, can't keep, we can't continually follow everything written, but it's based on the wrong foundation. It's based on our effort. And it's not based on his grace and our trusting in that. And Paul closes this section by saying, and Jesus came to get us off this road. He redeemed us. That's a, a word from the marketplace, particularly slaves. Slaves were redeemed. They were bought back out of slavery. They were made free again. Jesus came to, to redeem us from 
the curse that comes from trying to be justified through obeying the law. That curse is, again, it's ultimate rejection by God. That's where that leads. And Jesus came to redeem us from that, to buy us back from that curse, and to put us on this other path. You can hear him saying, like, why, would you, why would you go back to this? Jesus became a curse for us. He was rejected by God. How was he rejected by How do we know that? Because he died on the cross. And according to the law, everyone's hung on a pole, or your Bible may say hung on a tree, is cursed. The Jewish, the primary means of capital punishment in the Jewish nation was stoning. After someone was stoned, their body was hung on a pole to show this guy's been rejected by God. When Jesus was hung on a cross, that was applied to him. That's why it's so difficult for the Jews to believe that he was the Messiah. The Messiah is the most blessed one. If you're crucified, you're the rejected one. How can you be both accepted and rejected? How can you be one who's blessed and favored by God and one who's been cursed by him at the same time? And Paul says he was cursed for us. He didn't die for his own sins. He died for ours. He, all of that was to get us off of this road. He became this curse for us. And we can see it, that it makes us uncomfortable, his cry from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's not hyperbole, that's what he experienced. He experienced being cut off from the Father. That's a mystery to us how that happened, but it happened. He bore that curse of rejection that is rightfully ours, and he did all of that in order to get us off of this road and get us on this one, and so you can hear Paul saying, why, why are you going back? That's what he redeems you from. He redeemed you in order that the blessing given to Abraham, which is justification by faith or through faith, so that I, that could be yours. So that you could receive the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the one who testifies that you have, in fact, been made acceptable to God. All of Jesus rescued you, redeemed you from this in order to give you all of this. And you've experienced all of this. So why in the world would you go back? to this, this other mode of life. doesn't make any sense at all. You're being foolish and you're being deceived. It's a lot of theology really early in the morning. Here's a couple of things for you to think about. Two questions. One, are you right now, would you say, yes, I'm, I've been justified. I'm standing in right relationship with the Father. The only way you can say that, according to the New Testament, is by trusting in Jesus. There's nothing else. Many of you have, but there may be a handful of you, and you'd say, no, you know what? I, I, I haven't trusted in Jesus. I'm not putting my faith in him. I'm not committed to him. And according to the New Testament, that means that you're not in right relationship with God. And that may be, you may say, well, I actually don't believe there's a God, so I'm not worried about being in right relationship with him. You may say, I actually feel like I'm a pretty good person, and so if there is a God, he's going to accept me just based on my own behavior. You may decide, you may say, well, you know what, I'll deal with all that stuff later. i got more pressing things in my life right now. And if that's you, if you're not actively trusting in Jesus, then I would just ask you one question, why not? And I would ask you and challenge you to, to really think about that. It's a pretty significant question. I would say probably the most significant question in your life. It may not be urgent, but there's nothing more important. And so if you're going to say, if you're going to kind of push that off or 
not give it consideration. I, my, you're sitting here today, so there's something that caused you to come here, and I would just encourage you, can you answer the question, why not? If you're not actively trusting in Jesus, what's, what's keeping you from doing that? And can you be really explicit about what that reason is? Not some vague, nebulous, what, what it, write it down. What's the reason? And when you nail it down, we've got lots of people who would love to talk with you about that when you're ready to talk about it. If you don't believe God's real, we'd love to talk with you about that. We won't try to prove it to you. We'll just say, we'll pray and say, God, why don't you show yourself to this person in a way that makes sense to them? And we'll let him do that. If it's something that you're putting off for the future, we would love to talk with you about that. And how saying yes to Jesus now will actually take care of all that stuff that's consuming you right now. It, it will look really different once you've committed your life to him. And he'll actually help you with all that stuff. You won't have to figure it all out. If you think you're good enough, oh, he'll accept me because I'm good enough. We'll, we'll, we'll maybe help you see, just like we've all seen. Mm. We're not. Now, I think if you're honest, you'd probably say you're not also. We compare ourselves to Hitler, we look great. We compare ourselves to Mother Teresa, not so great. We feel like we're somewhere, somewhere in between, right? Jesus is the standard. So I'd encourage you to ask that question. And when you're ready, either who, whoever brought you here or reach out to me or whoever, and we'd love to sit down and talk with you through that. Many of you, you are justified. You've, you're, you've, you're walking this faith, this path of faith in Jesus. But this is something, it's super subtle, so I want you to try to track with me on this as much as you can. It's very personal, and again, it's very subtle. Paul says the righteous will live by faith. And one of the questions he asks, he says, have you, having begun in the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by the means of your flesh, independent of God? And I, that, there's, a, there's a subtle shift. It's a constant temptation for us, I think. Again, the enemy's really great at masquerading as an angel of light, there's truth that our obedience is absolutely vital to our ongoing relationship with the Lord. Jesus says, follow me. That demands ongoing obedience. There's, there's no way around that. The, the temptation, though, is to take something that flows out of right relationship and making it the basis of right relationship. And again, that's really subtle. And I, something that I find sitting in my seat, when somebody has something going on and it's, it's bigger than their ability to control, and it's something that they care deeply about, there can be this, this temptation to move from this path of faith and trust into this path of effort. This is really important. I have a desired outcome here. And so I, I begin to bring all of my resources to bear to try to make something happen in this arena that I want to happen. I want to see it happen. Sometimes if something is kind of beyond our abilities, I'll see people try to clean themselves up. Start praying more, I'm not going to miss a Sunday. 
read my Bible more. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. All of those things that put us in the context of being able to receive God's grace are wonderful. But again, and this is the, the subtlety here is, am I actually trying to manipulate God? Am I saying, God, look what I'm doing for you, therefore you need to do this for me? That's moving off of this path of trusting in him to this path of, of effort. It, it's saying, I, I began through the work of the Spirit, by means of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicted me, led me to repentance and faith. He's filled my heart. I'm walking in trust before the Lord. But now what I'm doing is I'm actually trying, again, we don't say this out loud, but it's unconscious in there, subtle. I'm trying to manipulate or coerce God to getting me to my desired outcome. And again, that, that can be a little bit tricky to discern, but I think it's a constant temptation. It's, again, this enemy who's trying to bewitch us. He's trying to take something that's true. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling, absolutely. But he's twisting it and saying, hey, if you work hard enough, if you're a good enough Christian, then God's going to give you what you want or God's going to answer your prayer in this particular way. How do you know if you're falling into that? One of the things, not always, if, you, if you're beginning to get bitter towards the Lord, then that could be an indication that you've, you've fallen into this trap, that you're on this other path. Usually when we're bitter, it's because God's not doing what we think he should be doing in the time or in the way that we think he should be doing it. And so that, that can be an indicator. If you're honest, if you would say, I'm getting bitter, and that can look like two different, at least two different things. One, some people's bitterness is it's cold. It results in a distance from the Lord. You just begin to withdraw from him. Other people's bitterness is hot. It looks a, a lot like anger. If, you're, if that characterizes your relationship with the Lord, then... You may want to step back and say, have I, have, I moved, have I moved off of this path of just of genuinely trusting you and obeying you, however you're leading me out of that, versus trying to manipulate you? Have I moved into my flesh? There's this thing that's really important to me, and I need it to work out how I'm wanting it to work out. And again, there's some subtlety there, but that would be my question, challenge, encouragement to us this morning is to say, all right, we can be bewitched as well. It's not just those foolish Galatians. We can know the truth and not live faithfully in light of the truth as well. Yes, there's a temptation for us, having begun in the spirit, to try to finish, to try to make this, bring this thing to completion our own effort. You can think about Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane. It's a beautiful expression of, of what this looks like. This is what I want. Take this cup from me. So this, again, these areas where you're tempted are things that are really important to you. It's not stuff you don't care about. God, this is what I want to see in my marriage. This is what I want to see in the lives of my children. This is what I want to see in my career. This is what I want to see in this body that's racked with cancer or whatever. This is what I want to see. Ultimately, though, it's your will and not mine. 
Ultimately, I'm going to yield to you in this. I'm going to surrender to you. And sometimes we can, this is really, this is what I want. And so, God, I'm going to try to, we don't say it explicitly. I'm going to strong arm you and to try to make it into getting me what I want through my righteous behavior. You've moved off the path of trusting him into the path of your own effort. So let's take a minute and pray. If you'd be willing to do so, just close your eyes. I'm going to lead us through a little prayer. We, we mentioned this last week. It's so significant. I want to circle back to it. So if you're willing, just pray something like this. Holy Spirit, would you search me and show me, is there a place in my life where I've moved off of this path of trusting in you? Where I'm trying to complete some work in my own effort. When Paul says by means of the flesh, what he's referring to is that part of us that wants to live independently of the Lord. Is there something I'm trying to, even a good thing that I'm trying to accomplish independently of you? If something comes to your mind, most likely it'll be something that's very important to you. And I would encourage you to pray something like this. Father, I want to trust you with this. This is what I want to see and be really specific. This is what I want to see. Ultimately, I'm surrendering. I'm going to surrender. Not just the outcome, but the path to that outcome. The timing of that outcome. I recognize that, you, that you're going to work through me. I know that. There's a, there's a place where I'm going to cooperate, where my obedience matters. I know that. And I pray in those moments that you would give me the grace to walk in humility, to walk in courage, to walk in love, to walk in faithfulness, whatever it is. But God, I want to acknowledge that all of that flows out of this relationship that's based on what Jesus has done not based on what I'm doing. Holy Spirit, would you help us all? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week. 